Hello, and welcome to The Good Night Show with me, Daniel Van Kirk. It is Tuesday, July 28th, around 12 a.m. Rochelle, Illinois time, and I am glad that you are here. As always, I am joined by my producer and my friend, Noah Eberhardt. Noah, good night to you, my man. Good night to you, Daniel. Hey, dude, I don't know. We even gotten a chance to talk about this since you've been back, but you got your gift. I did. We we talked about it briefly. I gave uh, Daryl a little shout out and uh, thank you. But I, uh, you know, I brought my bottle of of Knob Creek up to the mountains, and uh, that's what I was drinking when I was up in the woods. And it was it was wow. very very nice. You finished it the first night. I yeah, it's all gone. Uh, I still have a little left. <laughs> You'd be hammered if you drank yeah. all that in one night, don't you think? I mean, obviously, but I mean, you'd be like hammered. Like, yeah, like with take the me slam to the effect hospital. if you texted it. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like take me to the hospital. It would be bad. Yeah, I couldn't be, drink all that. It would be very bad. Don't do it, okay? I won't. All right, good. I'll try not to. Um, here's a fun segue. Here's something you guys can do. Uh, you can become a part of this show. You can text me or leave me a voicemail by calling 609-955. That's 609-644-4855. Whether you have a sex and relationship advice question, a recommendation for something to read or watch, or you've had something great happen to you in your own life and you want to share it, we do that on Fridays for the Positive Push Friday. You can do that, like I said, by texting or leaving a voicemail at 609-644-4855 or email thegoodnightpod at gmail.com. I'm going to keep reminding you, friends, because I want you to be there and I don't want it to get sold out. It might already be sold out by the time I'm saying this. Who knows? So many tickets could have been sold since yesterday. But the live Dumb People Town is happening with Jim Gaffigan at Nowhere Comedy Club. You can get tickets at danielvankirk.com. And when is it happening? Saturday, August 15th at 4.30 p.m. Rochelle time. Yeah, you can happy hour hang with me and the boys. So go to danielvankirk.com if you want tickets. All right. On Tuesdays, we run through our pop culture history. We talk about what is being, uh, yeah, I don't know, remembered or having an anniversary for each day of the week. And then on the back half of the episode, we're going to dig into um, one of those topics. Like, so if we're remembering something about marshmallows, maybe we'll say what's the best uh, camping treats, which also would be fun. Maybe we'll do that someday. But for now, I can tell you that Monday, July 27th is the anniversary in 1987 when the first Titanic artifacts were found. The first artifacts from the unsinkable RMS Titanic were recovered by French explorers. The RMS Titanic sank in 1912 after striking an iceberg in the North Atlantic during her maiden voyage. Uh, Noah, you've seen Titanic? I have seen Titanic. Where do you feel, fall on your feelings towards Titanic? I'm kind of indifferent. I, I mean, like, if it's, like, on TV and I have nothing else to do, sure, I'll, I'll watch a little bit of it. But mm-hmm. I don't know if I would sit down for three and hours. watch the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, it's long. But it is very, very good. And the last half mm-hmm. of it is essentially just, like, an escape action movie. Yeah. It is great, though. Um, I really like that movie. I was working in a movie theater when Titanic came out. And so I've seen that movie a lot. 
I used to know what was happening in the movie just by hearing the score from in the lobby. Wow. <laughs> we got acquainted. Guess what else? Monday, July 27th is the anniversary of the introduction of Bugs Bunny. In 1940, Warner Brothers introduced Bugs Bunny in a Wild Hair, an animated short film directed by Tex Avery and written by Rich Hogan. It featured the song, I'm Just Wild About Harry. I've always been a big fan of the Looney Tunes, so I bet we talk more about that later. Tuesday, July 28th, is National Lampoon's Animal House anniversary because it debuted on July 28th in 1978. Starring John Belushi, Peter Reigert, Tim Matheson, John Vernon, Verna Bloom, Tom Holchi, Stephen First, and Donald Sutherland. I mean, you really could have just said John Belushi, Kevin Bacon, and Donald Sutherland. I mean, Tim Matheson's had a great career too, but I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody that would remember all those other people being in the movie. Anyway, it was produced on a budget of $2.8 million and grossed over $141 million, making it one of the most successful comedies of all time. Noah, have you seen Animal House? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a classic. It is a great movie. I mean, there, it's, got, it's, a, it's got a problematic scene. Yes, it, it does. Where a guy is essentially being... Well, not essentially. He is. <laughs> he's a peeping Tom. Like, just watching... Women do what they normally do at a slumber party. Take all their tops off and have a pillow fight. Um, but yeah, I I, uh, I loved that movie Like when, as a teenager when I first saw it. I thought I just thought it was so wild. There's so many people that have gone to college just wanting it to be that. And a lot of people have gone to college realizing that is what it is for them. Um, yeah. And also that that's a shit ton of money. There's so Speaking many great of, books you can read yes. about like oral histories and stuff of Animal House. Yeah. They were basically just figuring it out as they did it. Yeah. Speaking of chugging whiskey, I mean, do you, uh-huh. think, he, do you think John Belushi actually chugged that bottle of whiskey? I do not. Yeah. But I, if somebody was like, hey, oh, he did, I'd go, oh, okay, that yeah, checks that out. Sense. You know? Um, Tuesday, July 28th is also the anniversary of the first singing telegram. In 1933, a Western Union operator named Lucille Lips, that's perfect, sang happy birthday to Rudy Valley. Mr. Valley later recalled the episode as a phony stunt by the publicity people, although Western Union recalls it as the first singing telegram. There's, you could probably still get singing telegrams, I bet. Certainly I in like major cities. I don't know how it would work right now. But I wonder, like anything performative in Los Angeles, you can find someone to do it. So I bet there's a a singing telegram company out here. Wednesday, July 28th. Ooh, this is a little dark. It is the anniversary of the first murder victim by the son of Sam in 1976. David Berkowitz, the son of Sam, would kill five more times, initially claiming he was acting under the orders of his neighbor Sam's demon-possessed dog, Harvey, but later stated that that was a hoax. Now, unless I'm misremembering, do you watch the show Mindhunter on Netflix? I do, yeah. Didn't they talk to Sam? They did. Or David Berkowitz? They did. Yeah, that was a... I mean, they get some really great actors to play oh my God. these serial killers. They really look and sound The guy like who played the Ted deal. Tremper, like the giant of a man from season one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he Ed, went on Ed, to... Ed Kemper. Ed Kemper. Ted Tremper, you know who that is? 
Who's that? That's a great comedy director that did a great series in Chicago with Second City alumni called Breakups. And it's one of the best like short series I've ever watched. But yeah, Ed Kemper. Ed Kemper, that actor went on to be in the Umbrella Academy. Oh. A, a show that I thought was middling at best. Um, gotcha. But yeah, they do have a lot of really good people in that. And I also assume because Mindhunter is based off of you know, the book that they must have, they probably really did like that could all be real. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of it is based on, at least I know the Ed Kemper stuff. It's pulled from real conversations and interviews that he's done over the years. I don't know if specifically ones that pulled from the book, but right. I know a lot of that dialogue is, is hmm. real stuff. Also that summer of 76 was like insane in New York. They were having like rolling blackouts and obviously they had, uh, Serial killer on the loose, and um, the Deuce was like in its heyday. Um, Son of Sam is a is a I don't know if I'd call it good because I have been so long since I've seen it, but worth checking out. Son of Sam with John Leguizamo and Mira Sorvino. It's also on July 29th, the anniversary that in 1982 Jerry Lawler slapped Andy Kaufman. Professional wrestler Jerry Lawler slapped actor Andy Kaufman in the face on Late Night with David Letterman, a staged event that prompted a several-month war between the two of them. This is one of the greatest works in professional wrestling history. And beyond even the scope of professional wrestling fans, this like permeated into like all of pulp culture. It was uh it was great. And and um, after Andy passed away, uh, Jerry Lawler told everybody that it was all an act. The whole thing was an act. And most people who even all who know that everything in wrestling is staged still just believed it was real. That Andy was messing with this guy, and he was legitimately sick of it. But they were in on it together. Um, speaking of Andy Kaufman, somebody who played him in a movie, Jim Carrey, were dating on the 29th in 1994. That's what I was trying to figure out. The mask premiered. So Jim Carrey played Andy Kaufman and obviously was in the mask directed by Charles Russell. The fantasy comedy film is about a hapless banker, Stanley Ipkiss played by Jim Carrey, who turns into a maniacal green face superhero. Once he puts on the mysterious mask of Loki. Now, I don't know if that's supposed to play off of Loki that we know from the Marvel cinematic universe. I feel like it probably loosely is or has something to do with it. But The Mask is a great movie that is in ted- like in so dumb. But it, it it if you watch it again, which I recently watched with my nephews when I was uh, home getting the pinball machine, it um, it seems to know what it is. And Jim Carrey is great in it. And last week we talked about the show Dave. Last Thursday, The Mask plays a role, I guess I should say, in one of the plot lines for one of the episodes. Um, Thursday, July 30th, the uh, Metallica released, it released Enter Sandman. Released in 1991, the single, uh, the single achieved platinum certification for more than 1 million copies shipped in the United States, spurring sales of over 30 million copies for Metallica and propelling Metallica to worldwide popularity. Enter Sandman is a banger. Friday, July 31st, I will tell you the fact that this is a thing to me growing up. This was a big deal in my life. Game Boy was released in the U.S. The Nintendo Game Boy is a handheld video game system that was released in 1989. It was discontinued in 2003. 
after the sale of 118 million plus units. The system designed to use cartridges to allow switching between games was first released in Japan. The 300,000 units in stock in Japan sold out, sold out within the first two weeks, despite the expectation for popularity to not be that high. When Game Boy Color was released in 1988, the Game Boy had already sold 64.42 million units around the world. Little Game Boy story for me. I remember I wanted a Game Boy so bad for Christmas. And my mom, that whole Christmas season, kept saying only a good boy gets a Game Boy. She probably thought she was real fucking clever with that. <laughs> um, and Christmas morning, I got up super early. I went, I was just a little kid. I go down the stairs and there's presents. And I find a present that looks like it's about that size. And it says, Merry Christmas to a good boy. And I was like, fuck yeah. And I yelled, fuck yeah, so loud. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, I was so excited. But then I, I wasn't supposed to go down to, to the Christmas tree yet. So I had to like play it cool until my mom gave me the gift and then uh, act like I was reading that for the very first time. I'll never forget that. Wasn't a Game Boy in there, but it was still a cool moment nonetheless. I'm joking. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, in honor of Bugs Bunny, um, what am I, Porky Pig? We are going to run down the top 30 cartoon characters of all time. We'll be right back. Are you looking for a way to let everyone know that you're serious about social distancing, staying safe, and being smart, but you want to look good at the same time? Check out Real Day Design. They have a variety of shirt styles that look and feel great while also sending the message that you care about your health and you care about the people around you. Choose from a short sleeve or long sleeve tee, crew neck sweatshirt, or even a football jersey style t-shirt. Any option is perfect for looking good and feeling comfortable in your own home or on a walk. But letting people know you are part of the social distancing club doesn't just have to be worn. You can show everyone in your Zoom meeting where your priorities lie with a social distancing club coffee mug. So quarantine, but make it fashion by visiting Real Day Design online at bonfire.com slash store slash real hyphen day hyphen design hyphen co. Again, that's Real Day Design online. Just go to bonfire.com and search for Real Day Design. I want to tell you about high noon hard seltzer made with real vodka and real juice because there's a lot of fake out there, but things just got real. High Noon Sun Sips are the easy drinking, great tasting, sun toasting, blue sky celebrating, memory making awesomeness in a can. Hard seltzers can be made from just about any mixture of soda, water, and alcohol. Some brands use malt liquors and sugar to flavor their drinks, but High Noon uses real vodka and real fruit juice for 100 calories of easy drinking, take anywhere deliciousness. High Noon Sun Sips are offered in four refreshing flavors, grapefruit, pineapple, black cherry, and watermelon, and the juice in each high noon sun sip is real they use a mix of juices to make each flavor but everything comes from real fruit high noon sun sips come in packs of four and a variety 12 pack and on their website you can search for places near you to buy high noon with their where to buy page you can also check out your favorite grocery store liquor store or stay safe and practice distance socializing by checking with your preferred alcohol delivery service high noon is currently available in 32 states but if they're not available where you are contact them and see how they can help so check out highnoonspirits.com and enjoy responsibly. High Noon Hard Seltzer. Things just got real.
Okay, we are back. And as I said, we're going to run down the top 30 cartoon characters of all time. Now, the list that we were reading actually has 50, but I we're starting, in my opinion, with the only one that matters and should be number one. We're starting at number 30. This is from liveabout.com. I think they wrote this up last April, like four, you know, 15 months ago or whatever. All right, number 30 and the greatest cartoon characters of all time is my man, Winnie the Pooh, who's my favorite cartoon character of all time. It says this little bear who started as a doodle in a beloved children's book has been thri- a thriving franchise for Disney since the company bought the rights to him and his woodland friends in the 60s. Winnie the Pooh has starred many cartoons and specials, both on TV and in feature films. The most memorable cartoons were Winnie, Winnie the Pooh and the Blustery Day. So great. Winnie the Pooh and the Honey Tree. I mean, I'm going to say this about all of them. Winnie the Pooh and, T- and Tigger 2. In 2011, Disney released Winnie the Pooh, a very successful movie that returned to the roots of A.A. Milne's original story. Um, it's also, as we know, one of my favorite rides at Disneyland. I just think, I think Winnie the Pooh is great. I, I think Winnie the Pooh is like m- more... Like, I, I don't know. He just feels deeper to me than a lot of like cartoon. Like he feels deeper to me than Mickey Mouse and even Bugs Bunny. Which character in the Winnie the Pooh universe do you most identify with? Identify with? Yeah. I don't know. I I like Winnie the Pooh the most, but mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, there's obviously aspects of Tigger in me because look at what I do for a living, but I don't, definitely not Rabbit. Or Kanga or Rue. Some days I'm very Eeyore. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. What about you? I was going to say probably Eeyore. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> no. Or maybe, maybe, Pig, maybe Piglet. It'll maybe just I'm... fall off again anyway. <laughs> it's not a bad Can Eeyore, you... right? That's a pretty good Eeyore. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Um, Number 29, this is great, Ren and Stimpy. Ren and Stimpy is phenomenal. Another Gen X staple. This twisted adventure, the twisted adventures of the dog Ren and Stimpy were a creation of John, I'm sorry, buddy, Crickfalusi for Nickelodeon. It ran from 91 to 95. Uh, Ren and Stimpy is great. That's some like legit great comedy. Number 28 is Top Cat to Hanna-Barbera. Top Cat's cool, they say, but his morals, morals, I'm sorry, are a tad looser than his gangs, leading to occasional mutiny. Nevertheless, Top Cat retains his hold as captain. Number 27, Heckle and Jekyll. For some reason, Heckle and Jekyll feel like of a problematic time to me. Um, They're really just like weirdos. One has a Brooklyn accent. One has a British accent. The duo... uh, created by Paul Terry, first appeared in movie screens in 1946 after film production ended in 1966. The pair lived on in TV syndication. Maybe I'm thinking of something else, but I do remember Heckle and Jekyll. They have 26, Josie and the Pussycat Dolls. I don't care. Number 25, Speed Racer. There were so many people dying in that cartoon series all the time. That was like a heavy show. I I never really watched it. It was weird. Um, number 24, Tweety Bird and Sylvester. 
Tweety Bird made his debut in 1942, A Tale of Two Kitties. Not until five years later did Sylvester appear with him. The Oscar-winning 1947 short Tweety Pie set the standard for what became an endless attempt by Sylvester to eat Tweety Bird, who always escapes. Um, number 23, Underdog. Love a good underdog. There's this weird time, and maybe it was just like the part of the country I grew up in, where like the cartoons of the 70s and 60s were still very much in heavy rotation into the 90s in Rochelle, or at least the channels that we would get. So there's all these like really old cartoons that I still grew up watching um, with regularity. Uh, number 22 is Gumby. Love a good Gumby, especially Eddie Murphy's uh, uh, turn spoofing the cartoon in 1982 on Saturday Night Live. Gumby's just great. I think Gumby would probably still hold up for kids now. A great thing is probably a lot of these would, but especially Gumby. I just feel yeah. like it'd just be, it's just nice. 21, Pink Panther. This cartoon always felt smart to me. Like, maybe it was just the jazz. I feel like I kind of watching music. some Pink Panther. Yeah. yeah. He never really talked, right? I'm trying to remember. I don't think he did. Uh, let's breathe through some of these because we're running low on time. Uh, 20, George Jetson. I don't know why they don't have the whole family. Love the Jetsons. Number 19, Betty Boop. I mean, that's fine, but Winnie the Pooh should still be ahead of all these. Number 18, Fat Albert. I mean, I guess you know you did something good when you can be as horrible as a monster as he is and still get people are still willing to say you're great. Number 17, I think this would be top five, Beavis and Butthead. I mean, just influential cartoons. And Beavis and Butthead's coming back. Um, yeah, that's right. They're coming back to Comedy Central. Number 16, Mr. Magoo. Just another fun old-time cartoon. Number 15, thought this would be higher, Scooby-Doo and Shaggy. And you can listen to me doing some additional voice work and some other stuff uh, in the most recent Scooby-Doo movie if you want. Number 14, Porky Pig. Porky Pig's great. Always felt like a sidekick character, but once in a while, he got his time to shine. Number 13, Daffy Duck. I love an angry cartoon. And he... <laughs> He was great. Him and Donald are kind of like two sides of the same coin. Yeah. Number 13, I would, again, I'd put this, or number 12, I mean, I'd put this at uh, top five. Eric Cartman, such a wild, weird character and great. Number 11, SpongeBob SquarePants. Uh, I never really got into SpongeBob. Did you, Noah? I did. I was like right in the That hit, the that hit your spot. spot. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. You still love it to this day? Not as much. Okay. Um, I won't. I'm not really finding myself watching it, but I'll, I'll see the memes. I like the memes. Oh yeah, great memes, especially the burying yeah. themselves one. I love that one. Number ten, Rocky and Bullwinkle. I remember watching this too. This is like sort of the underdog stuff. Uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle came out on like Saturday nights in um, hmm. in Rochelle, like Saturday nights at like six o'clock or like five thirty which is always such a weird time for like network television anyway. Maybe it was yeah. like right after the news or something like where Wheel of Fortune would normally go the rest of the week. Oh, those were simpler times. Number nine, Wile E. Coyote. I love Wile E. Coyote. I never, I remember being a kid and like there would be times where um, he'd be like on a rock. He'd be standing on like a platform of a rock that fell. And I always wondered like, well, he seems totally fine until he realizes it. it yeah. could, what if he jumped off the rock right before it hit the ground? 
but I right. I was a child and didn't understand he, physics. Yeah, he's he's in the shit, so to speak. To, to yeah, use mm-hmm. the phrase that you are. Number eight, Popeye. Again, uh, probably fine for Popeye, but definitely a top ten character. Popeye was like falls into that like time of like people just accepting like oh that's like the part of Americana like I don't know the Popeye I, I he just feels like people were watching him as much as they were watching movies like adults and kids uh, even back when that wasn't something I think that happened very much but I might be wrong. Number seven, The Grinch. Love the original Grinch. I've never really been happy with anything they did after. Although, that Christmas movie that came out like three years ago um, is really good. Oh, really? Yeah. I took my nephews to it, and it's actually really enjoyable. The one that had like 10,000 billboards all all Uh over the place? Uh It's really really quite enjoyable, Um, but the original is just the best. Number six. Now we're getting, we're starting to make sense. Fred Flintstone. Love the Flintstones, especially when Fred and Barney are selling cigarettes. Have you ever seen that old commercial? <laughs> yes. You're like, whoa, people. Uh, number five, Mr. Charlie Brown. I mean, just timeless, mm-hmm. right? Just like so great. And the music is beautiful. I just love, I love Charlie Brown. Number four, I thought this could be number one, to be honest. Bart Simpson. I mean, changed changed our culture um i remember my mom did not want (laughs) did not want me watching the simpsons she said that she heard somebody yell i'm bart simpson who the hell are you (laughs) which like they he said in like the first episode and she really did not like that you know it's funny my mom today could give a shit about that stuff number three mickey mouse now, look, Mickey Mouse, I understand. you. Some people be like, how is Mickey Mouse not number one? I think in terms of actually being a cartoon character, Mickey Mouse doesn't have that much work. Like, I bet yeah, there's more, more of an icon at this point. Right. And an institution. Yeah. I mean, Fantasia is unreal. Don't get me wrong. And there's other Mickey cartoon shorts and things that I absolutely love, especially how could I... I almost forgot Mickey's Christmas Carol, which is beautiful but in terms of like breadth of work like the simpsons and spongebob have way more animated stuff i feel like but maybe i'm wrong speaking of number two homer simpson um they say they've been you know entertaining us forever i mean homer's homer's just a wonderful character my favorite simpsons episode well not episode but maybe my favorite homer episode is very early on it might be in the first few seasons where Homer and Marge um, have to go to like couples therapy and Homer wants to go fishing. It's a great episode. I absolutely loved it. I remember watching it for well, like when it first aired. And then number one, our man, Bugs Bunny. Is there a more famous rabbit in the world? Bugs Bunny has been making people laugh with his catchphrase, what's up, Doc, since he made his debut in the 1940, we already talked about it, Warner Brothers cartoon, Wild Hair. Whether he's poking fun at... Stuffy highbrow culture in the 1957 classic What's Opera Doc or outwitting a nasty night in the Oscar-winning 1958 short Nighty Night Bugs. That rascally rabbit, Bugs Bunny, always gets the last laugh in addition to his own shorts. Bugs has made equal memorable cartoons with some other stars on this list. Yeah, Bugs Bunny's great. And I love that moment when you see Bugs Bunny in 
Roger Rabbit um, and all those other cartoons. I kind of want to go back and watch some Bugs Bunny now, to be honest. Yeah. Just talking about great music. All right, we ran all those down. If there's any that weren't on here that you want to let us know about or you want to be a part of the show in any way, you know how to do that. But for now, those are the top 30 characters of all time. And in my opinion, they started out with number one at number 30. Tonight's episode of The Good Night Show was produced by Noah Everhart. It was engineered and mixed by Brendan Lynch-Solomon with production assistance from Ben Zyper and Lissa Rubin. The theme music was composed by Chad Bouchard and the artwork was created by C.M. Dugan. Check out more of his work at cmdugan.com. If you enjoyed tonight's show, you can get more content at patreon.com slash thegoodnightshow. There you can sign up for the Goodnight Show Weekend Edition, as well as exclusive weekly episodes of some of our favorite topics. Plus, you can get a supercut of this entire week's worth of shows, as well as access to the entire back catalog of the Hindsight Podcast. There are three Patreon tiers available. The most comprehensive option is less than $10 a month. And the Goodnight Show is not part of any network, which means all proceeds go directly to the costs and people that keep this show on the air. Your support matters and is greatly appreciated. One simple way to support is to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes and just tell everyone you know about this little show. Thank you again for listening. I'm Daniel Van Kirk. And remember, no man is a failure who has friends. Good night.